Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Without further delay, we'll get right into the inerrant, inspired, infallible Word of God. Our talk, we're talking this month about a live wire, the endless energy and boundless strength of our God, the electrical power of God. Today's message is called, When Faith Catches Fire. When Faith Catches Fire... I'm reading from Exodus chapter 13. This is as the children of Israel left their slavery in Egypt. The Bible says this in verse 20. So they took their journey from Succoth, which is the King James Version for suck. But anyway, just I'm sorry. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped, camped in Etham. I thought you'd get that one anyway. Camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night, a pillar of cloud to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. The point of that is, if you've lost your way, follow the fire. Follow the fire. Now, I want to go to Jeremiah. I know some people think Jeremiah was a bullfrog, but he was a prophet. And Jeremiah was being mocked and persecuted for being... God's mouthpiece to his nation constantly under pressure. And in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he writes, Then I said, I will not make mention of him anymore, nor speak any more in God's name. But his word was in my heart, like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. He said, I, I got the fire of God down into my bones and I tried to hold it back because I, I, I was so upset. People were persecuting me because of the word. And I tried to hold it back, but I couldn't do it because that fire just came out of me. Finally, Hebrews 12, 28 says this, talks about seasons of shaking and boy, is the earth shaking right now. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear or worship. For our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray one more time. Father God, would you come and move? Holy Spirit, you are the fire of God, the fire of our Father, the fire of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit and burn within us. Burn within our hearts and our bones that we can't contain you. In Jesus' name, amen. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, local and worldwide, we said last week, is more essential than most people realize. Without the church, the lost world would be in complete and utter darkness and chaos. We define peripheral as being on the fringe, secondary in importance and marginalized. And Jesus proclaimed to us in his word that the church is not in the periphery. The church is not on the fringe. The church is not the fringe weird element. The church is the new normal. The importance of the feeding of the 5,000 we showed in scripture 
that Jesus is the bread of life. Now, as Pastor Chris said earlier, tomorrow is our wedding anniversary, 42 years. And I want to honor my wife, Gail. She is amazing. Um, it's an honor to do life with her. And I can totally say that I wouldn't be here without her. She helped to lead me to the Lord when we were 19 years old. And uh, she's a blessing to my life. You know, covenant marriage and family is the greatest blessing on earth. We had an old pastor used to say that your marriage can be either the closest thing to heaven or the closest thing to the other place. But it's not always easy. We've not stayed together because I was so easy to live with. In fact, I made a pun this morning and she booed me personally. It was like being at church. We didn't stay together because everything in our lives was perfect or automatically happy because we love the Lord. Although he's helped us through every season, we've been through some stuff like every one of you have. One of the greatest things I can say about living and overcoming victorious life is that you've got to let your faith catch fire. You gotta feed it, you gotta light it up, you gotta keep it burning and rekindle it when it tries to fade away in marriage just like you do in your relationship with God. When we were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1986 in the privacy of our own home in Bellevue, we felt like electricity had hit us. We felt electrocuted. We felt and experienced the power of God and no one can ever take that away from us. We were nice Presbyterians who just cried out for more of God and said, okay, we want everything you have for us. We don't want just, we don't want to hold back anything. Give us everything you got. And he did. And we haven't been the same since. I like to say you fight fire with fire. You fight fire with fire. In other words, you embrace the fire. There are fires on the earth. There are fires of pain and suffering. There are seasons of difficulty and things that hurt you and crucify your flesh. But when you're on fire for God, when you embrace his fire, the, the fires of darkness can't burn you. The upper room on Pentecost, tongues of fire set on each of them. Each and every one of those 120 experienced fire. John the Baptist said, Jesus is coming after me and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The problem is the fire goes out sometimes if you're not careful. The enemy always uses distractions, distractions, and more distractions. Sleight of hand. Hey, look over here. Bam. He uses sleight of hand to get people away from the fire, to keep them from the passion of God. I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. There was a moment of time when I was 22 years old and felt the clear calling of God into full-time pastoral ministry. In fact, it was Easter week, 1983, 
<clears throat> that at my parents' home with family visiting, I said, I have an announcement to make. I feel called to be a pastor. And after everybody got up off the floor, we had dinner. It was a very strange moment. So people didn't know what to say because I was probably least likely in some ways to be a pastor. And at that time, right at that moment, a very nice businessman a few weeks later <clears throat> felt, um, he was from our church, he took me out to lunch to share his story of disappointment with seminary education. After years of sacrifice and theological divinity and, and divinity degrees, God never opened the door for that guy that he expected. And so he became disappointed. I believe disappointed in God, but very successful in insurance and financial planning business. <clears throat> so he took me out to lunch and he looked me in the eye and he said, Richard, I just want you to know you need to calm down. The word is out in our church that you're on fire for God. But that fire doesn't always turn out right. That fire doesn't always become what you thought. He told me his story. He said, Richard, I'll be honest with you. You're never, you're probably never going to be a pastor. Prepare yourself to be a big giver into the kingdom through your business and you can be a lay leader. I was already in the insurance business as well. So he knew that and he was trying to help, I'm sure. But his words really tried to mess me up. I started second guessing myself and second guessing God in every area of my life. You know, you teach your kids stranger danger. But I wanna say to you as your pastor, beware of people who volunteer their opinions that don't have any spiritual right or authority to influence your decisions. Beware of the well-meaning who aren't your pastors or leaders or your parents or people that you know their life and you know their fruit for over time. Because everybody has an opinion and everybody wants to project. You've heard the phrase, misery loves company. Anybody who ever fell in the ditch wants everybody else to fall in the ditch to make them look like that's normal. And you gotta guard your heart in those ways. And I, I just was sensing the Lord speaking this to my heart as we celebrate our anniversary this week because he's gotten us through a lot of things, but he's gotten us through because we kept the fire burning for God and for each other. Sometimes well-meaning people try to project their disappointments and failures onto others. Instead of imparting faith, they release toxic doubt. And toxic doubt puts the fire out. Didn't mean for that to rhyme, but anyway. <laughs> toxic doubt puts it out. Remember, doubt is not spelled like drought or like rout. Doubt is spelled D-O-U-B-T. Why? Because its root word is the word double, double. Let him who doubts 
Let the double-minded not think that he will receive anything from God. What is it to doubt? It's to second-guess. To double-mindedness is you keep second-guessing yourself and your identity and the word that God has put in your spirit. Rather than feeding your fire, they suck the life out of you. I'm sorry, sucketh. Sucketh the life out of you. Others came along later to try to convince me that being on fire for God doesn't last. One of my first invitations to preach, probably about my third or fourth time to preach, a small home group when I was down in Orlando invited me up back to Ocala to come and share my experience, our experience on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we came and I, and, and I just had a word to really challenge people in this same kind of message, the fire of God. And that little group of people in that home had been meeting together since they split a church and split another church and then split that church and that that split. They were like a six-generation split and now they were just a handful of people disgruntled in a home, calling it a church. And, you know, I've met disgruntled people before. The problem is I've never met gruntled people. That was a joke too, but anyway... And after I got done speaking and praying for people and God moved, the leaders took me aside, these precious older brothers, and said, now listen, I know you're on fire now, but it won't last. You're not always going to feel that. And, And I understand there are ebbs and flows even to the temperature of your fire, but it never has to go completely out and it doesn't have to go out at all. Fear and doubt are crippling to a Christ follower. And here's the deal. More than 35 years after receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that initial fire, I still feel the fire. Glory to God, I feel his presence. I sense his word around me. I sense that all-consuming fire when I seek him in private and when I come to preach in public. It doesn't have to burn out. It doesn't have to wane. But fear and doubt are crippling to a Christ follower. They paralyze you. That's what tried to happen to me different times when people tried to bring things. And the Bible says about Jesus in Mark 6 verse 5, now he, Jesus, could do no mighty work in his hometown except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Fear, doubt, and unbelief limited Jesus. Thank God on a bad day, Jesus still healed people. You need healing today. Even if it's a bad day for you, it's a good day for Jesus. Now, I want to qualify this by saying, I'm not saying you should have an unteachable spirit or not receive anything from anybody or be a lone wolf. Quite the contrary. I've had people who did have spiritual responsibility for me and love me enough to bring some course correction, especially to my timing on certain things. I've been the one that's trying to run ahead and run faster. I've had great people to help me <clears throat> adjust that time clock. And I'm thankful for men and women of God that we knew, that we knew their fruitfulness over time. 
And they were recognized, respected as pastors and ministry leaders of the body of Christ. And we have had a real kingdom relationship with. The Bible says that the people like that, they safeguard your soul. They safeguard your soul. So I'm not saying, <clears throat> don't receive. I'm saying just be careful how and from whom you receive. The energy of the anointing of the Holy Spirit will ignite your faith. When the Holy Spirit is moving, fire is stirring. Spirit-filled doesn't mean you have to be weird. It doesn't mean, listen, when we were, I'll just be honest with you, when we were in Benny Hinn's ministry, and for those of you that, that are newer, you don't know, part of, part of what we were growing up, we were sent here back to Ocala after being in Orlando for three and a half years in Benny Hinn's church in Orlando, and we were the youth pastors. We were the junior high pastors. We were there from December of 86 until May 1st, 1990, when we started this church. We were sent out from that church with blessing. In fact, when I went to him a few weeks before we started the church, I submitted the vision for this church to my pastor and said, I'm willing to wait a year or two or whatever you think. I submit the vision to you. I'm just, I felt to bring it to you. And he said, I always knew you'd go back to Ocala where you came from. He said, I didn't think it'd be this fast, but how soon, do you, how soon can you start? I said, well, I guess we could start in a, three weeks or so. He said, do it. Crazy. I mean, it was, we were in a whirlwind. It was crazy. But you can't stop fire. You can't stop the holy fire of God. Around that ministry, Pastor Benny always used to say, <clears throat> the reason why we had so many, and we, we, you know, among the pastors, we'd say, you know, woo-woo alert. Woo-woo alert meant there was somebody out there that just had that, that crazy look in their eyes <clears throat> and claimed that it was the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't. Spooky people. And so there, were, there are some people that get so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And we had a lot of people, Pastor Benny would say, where there's great light, there's bugs. <laughs> so we said, why, why do you have so many people coming around here? Because where there's great light, there's bugs. You turn on your porch light in the middle of the darkness, you're gonna get a whole bunch of bugs out there. But don't let the bugs stop you. The fire is a bug zapper. The fire of God in you works in you. But here's the deal. You don't have to be weird to be spirit-filled. You, you have to live a balanced life in the natural world. You gotta work your job and be faithful and pay your bills and love your family and take care of your spouse and provide food. And some people just kind of forget all that. In your spirit, your inner man, there is a zeal. There's a passion for the Lord that cannot be quenched and cannot be stopped. In the book of Revelation, Jesus tells his church to get back to your first love. And I defy you. If you're truly born again, there should have been a moment where you can remember that you passed from death to life. A moment where you made a decision. A moment where something happened. I get a little nervous sometimes when 
When people say, uh, when you say, oh, what, how long have you been a Christian? How, when did you get born? Well, I, I, I've been a Christian all my life. That's a red flag to me. Because I was in a church all my life and was a Christian by, in name only. I didn't know Jesus. And he certainly wasn't in my heart. The first 19 years of my life, I was, I, I was a Christian in the sense of my, when, I, when I met this lovely lady on the front row down here when we were 17, we were chatting in our peer counseling class. And she said, are you a Christian? I said, why? She said, I can only go out with Christians. I said, I'm a Christian. If you can only go out with frogs, I'll be a frog. I said, I'm a Christian. I said, I live in America. I go to church with my parents. I'm a Christian, ta-da. But it wasn't born again. I didn't, I hadn't had that defining moment yet. And after I had that defining moment, the spark turned into a flame and the flame turned into hot coals and the hot coals became a raging fire in my spirit. Get back to your first love. If you're born again and you've had that defining moment, then there should be, just like when you fall in love with someone, you know, you get a little kooky. You're not thinking straight, right? Think of when you fell in love with your spouse. You didn't care about time unless you were together. We, would, we lived uh, about 10 miles apart down in the Orlando area while we were dating. And so, sometimes, I mean, I would, I'd be, uh, we'd go to a movie or something, then we'd go her, to her house, we'd be there for a while with her parents, and then we would, then I'd have to go home, and, and we've always been, both of us, late night people, we still are, and so I'd go home 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, drive home in the fog on a cool winter night or whatever, and I'd get back to Lake Mary to my parents' home, and what would I do? I called her up. I called her on the phone. That's kooky, right? That's weird. I remember my parents, you know, they weren't up at midnight or one o'clock, so they didn't know. But so at times we'd be out, we'd be together off and on for the better part of a weekend, and then I'd come home and call her. And my parents said, what are you doing? You were just with her. But when you're in love with someone, you can't get enough. It's the same with Jesus. It's the same with Jesus Christ when you really, to know him is to love him. And the first love that the Bible's talking about is, is a love, it's that, it's getting back. You can't necessarily recapture lightning in a bottle and, and hold on to that feeling all the time, every moment of the day. But you can certainly take those moments where you're leaning in as we did in the beginning of this service and the intimacy in the intimacy of God. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I'm still you still fascinate me. You think I figured this girl out after 42 years? I'm dwelling with her with understanding, but she still surprises me. 
She still surprises me. It's, she, she, just when I thought I could predict something she might do or say or like or not like, she flips the script. <laughs> it's part of what keeps our passion alive. Get back to your first love. For our God is a consuming fire. He is a fire. His essence burns. And God's fire falls upon the altars of sacrifice. So Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, present therefore your, your bodies as living sacrifices to God. Why? Because God's fire falls upon any life that's willing to be sacrificed on the altar of self. When you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, fire is on the way. When you're living a sold out life, surrender to the purposes of God, his fire will consume your being in some way. You know, fire, if you see anything on fire that's not supposed to be on fire, there's an immediate urgency. You don't see something on fire and go, gosh, you know, I'm really, I was kind of feeling hungry. <laughs> if your shed is on fire or your house is on fire, or you see something on fire that's not supposed to be on fire, it puts an urgency. The only thing you can do is deal with the fire. And I believe there's an urgency to this hour. There's an urgency to this moment of time. We're not here by accident, we're here on purpose. God knew he could entrust you and me in this moment, this dispensation of time, this fullness of time. I thought about this too. Moses never encountered God in the dry desert sand, but in a burning bush. His encounter with God that changed his life and, and, and explained his calling and purpose was the moment where he saw something on fire and God spoke to him out of that fire and said, let me tell you who you are and let me tell you why you're here. Jeremiah wrote that he decided not to even speak the word of the Lord because he felt so rejected by people. But at the end of the day, he couldn't hold it inside anymore because as he said, his word was like a fire shut up in my bones and I could not stop it from bursting out of me. Like a flamethrower scorching the earth's darkness. His word is in you and fuels the fire in you to be expressed. This is how I felt many times over the last almost 40 years of walking with the Lord or ministry. I've been walking with the Lord almost 42 years. But almost 40 years of ministry, I can't hold back the explosion of his word working inside of me. Jeremiah also wrote in Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord? And like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, the Amplified says, the rock of most stubborn resistance. 
His now word is like a fire and breaks down the delays, the resistance, the barriers, the walls. The zeal I'm talking about, the passion for God's house, the true zeal is never about circumstantial emotions. It's not about the conditions of your life or, or where, you, where you are, where you find yourself. A spiritual force of the Holy Spirit activating within you is that fire. And you can be in the most difficult situation in your life, but the fire of God becomes your driving force. That fire drives you forward and compels you to make it through moments of pain or grief or unimagined suffering. I heard of one of our, one of the pastors, we have mutual friends in Mariupol, Ukraine, that was trapped in a basement <clears throat> as they destroyed his city this week. And I just heard this morning, saw this morning on social media that he's been captured by Russian forces, taken hostage. We pray for that pastor right now the fire of God would burn in him so strong that would affect the soldiers around him. That fire would produce favor in his life. In Jesus' name. When Jesus cleansed the temple, the disciples were seeing another side of God's nature in him. John 2.17 says that they suddenly remembered that the word said, zeal, for God's house has consumed me from the Psalms. Zeal for God's house is his fire. It's passion. Passion to know what he knows, to think what he thinks, to feel what he feels, and not just to understand his actions, but his ways. I would tell you, be more afraid of no fire than wildfire. No zeal equals spiritual death, but you don't even realize it. Finally, this. God will lead you by the pillar of fire. So I say this, follow the fire. Follow the fire. The fire of God will lead you through like that pillar of fire did in all the dark seasons, <clears throat> every dark night, in the children of Israel in that 40-year experience where they learned to know God, the fire of God led them through and never failed. When that fire <clears throat> began to shake, they knew it was about time to move. When that fire of God began to move, they had to pack up and move with it. The only ones who were in danger were the stragglers who were left behind. The Bible says that the stragglers took too long sometimes to pick up their tent and to follow the cloud and to follow the fire. And they were the ones consumed by the Amalekites and the other rites of the land. Be ready at a moment's notice to follow the fire, to follow God in everything, in every mission, in every <clears throat> opportunity in your life, excuse me. In fact, when you're on fire for God, you don't have to worry for one second over finances or favor or failure because God will supply everything you need when you're on fire for him. Guard the fire, keep it moving. Today, I just wanna testify of God's amazing goodness and grace. We've proven 
his word to be true over and over. My wife and I have found that God is a faithful father and a consuming fire. When we lift him up, when, when we let God arise, he makes his enemies be scattered. Our God is a consuming fire. What temperature is your faith right now? What temperature is your faith? Can you think back of a time where you were, somebody would have said, man, that guy's, that lady, that, they're, on fire for, that, they're on fire for God. I'm here to tell you after four decades of fire, it doesn't have to go away because you reach a certain age. When the world is ready to relegate you to the periphery and say you're too old or you're too young or you're too fat or you're too skinny or you're too black or you're too white or you're too Hispanic or you're too whatever, the only thing that matters is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of fire. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, thank you for these 42 years of marriage. Thank you for bringing me the exact wife that I needed, that I wanted, that I didn't know I wanted. Thank you for bringing us together by your spirit. And thank you, Lord, for the fire of God in my wife and in our family. Lord, ignite that fire afresh. Rekindle the embers of our love for you and for each other. And we pray blessing over every marriage and every family and every individual and every single, every person in this church. We pray, Father God, that you would empower with a new fire for God, a new zeal for God, a new passion for your presence, a new respect for your purity, a new desire for your power. Lord, let us spread the fire as we carry it to Gainesville and Ocala and the villages and everything in between. Lord, let this territory be filled this Easter season with resurrection fire. In the name of Jesus. Just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed for a moment, whether you're watching online, whether you're in the room. I just want to do something real quick. Maybe you're here today and you can remember a time when people said, you're too, you're different. You're too excited about religion. You're on a religious trip. You need to calm down. Maybe they didn't say the words to you like that guy did to me. But you know when people have tried to talk you out of your zeal, out of your purpose, out of your passion for God and try to get you to be normal like they are. Normal is code for dead. Normal, normal is code for spiritual slumber. So you don't show up everybody else. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, 
I need the fire of God in my life. Maybe you've never been born again. This is your moment, but I'm speaking to more than that. I'm speaking to people who've been born again, many of you for a long time, but you can remember a day that you had fire. And right now, you know you need that passion for God. You need the fresh fire of God. I'm gonna pray for you before we go. Right now, before we go out of this room, before we go to the next thing, I wanna pray for you. If you're here today, you know what? You don't get fire by being bashful and putting a finger up in the air or lifting your elbow. So I'm just gonna be bold about it. If you want God's power, God's fire, stand up right where you are. I already had one man stand before I even said stand. Just stand up. This doesn't have to be everybody, but it can be. But you want more of God. You're ready for another layer, another level. There's sometimes, it's not about the words you say, it's about the heart you say it with. Everybody lift your hands up right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those at home, those in hotel rooms, wherever they're watching. I pray for those right now in this room and in this building. And I ask you, Lord, to take of the fire that you've invested in our lives and I pray that you'd release it. Release it from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. That fresh stirring, that fresh passion, that new awakening, that revival fire, that rekindling of passion for God, that first love. Be released and be blessed in Jesus' name. Be filled afresh with God's spirit from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet in the name of Jesus. Now, if you believe it, just say, I receive that. Say it out loud, I receive it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the fire right now. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.